when we come out of lockdown, my podcast is going to hit an all-time low. Because, <laughs> because the amount of shit that I am coming up with or that I want to speak about or that I need to cover, it's all coming from people in Groundhog Day in lockdown. But that's not to say that every single time I have had these come up, I feel like it's just been exacerbated. So maybe not an all-time low, maybe just like a, maybe just a healthy medium. But anywho, today, you've seen the title, we are going to be talking about emotional eating and emotional responses. Um, no idea how quick this is going to be. You know me, I always go on a tangent. But when I started this, I was like, this is going to be a super quick episode, probably about eight minutes. Let's see how we go. Um, and by the time you've already seen this, you know how long it is, so you know if I'm a liar or not. Anywho, one of the things that consistently comes up is obviously emotional eating, but how to deal with those emotions. And one of the things that I always find incredibly interesting is how it relates to food and how people take actions on their emotions so quickly when it relates to food or, you know, they take action on their emotions rather quickly, regardless of the circumstances to why their emotions are there. But when it comes to food, because everybody needs food to live. So everybody has those emotions with food and you know, your comfort food. As soon as I say comfort food or sit on the couch, watch a movie, do whatever, there's typically two or three things that come to the front of your mind. Maybe one big one that stands out, but the thing that seems to be hitting a lot of people hard is the snacking or I'm tired sort of eating. And then the after dinner eating there. So it's not so much the emotional eating, which I'll get to in a second. Well, probably a bit later, but the learned responses from eating in general. A lot of the time when people say, oh my God, I had this for dinner. And that typically means I need this. Or if you're growing up in a household, particularly if you're born in the nineties um, or late eighties, early nineties, it is so goddamn common. You're not going to get dessert if you don't finish your dinner. Think about that for a second. If you said that to yourself today as a, as an adult, I'm already full, but if I don't finish what I'm eating here, I don't get more food. So I eat more food to get more food, despite the fact that I am already, already full. That's one of the fucked up things about what is going on at the moment. So anytime when someone goes, oh, I just need dessert because, you know, you finished dinner, you need dessert, right? It's typically, I ask them that question and I go, well, were you born in the late 80s, early 90s? <laughs> and do my smug laugh with it. And they go, yeah. Or if not, then I'm like, oh, well, you're an outlier then, screw you. But one of the things that often comes from it is they get dessert conditioned to them. If you don't do this thing, you don't get food. If you don't do this thing, you get this. Or, and this is probably why a lot of the food rewards are getting phased out in schools, not just because we're a bunch of fat fucks running around, but because creating that emotional attachment to food. If I do something good, I get food. I find that first off, you know, depends on your relationship with food. For me, awesome. If I somewhat restrict myself, meaning if I just put myself onto a normal calorie deficit, I can still have the foods that I want to eat as long as I make it work within my calories and macros. And for anybody out there that doesn't know what macros are, they are macronutrients, 
proteins, carbs, and fats, and they all hold calories, which when people say, yeah, I track calories, but not macronutrients, consequentially, you're already tracking macronutrients. You just don't care about looking at them because macronutrients make up calories. Fun fact for you. Um, so quite often when it relates to the learned response and people say, oh, I just have this like emotion where I finished dinner and I'm, I get these real cravings and I get this, or I've had something that's like, um, I don't know how to say it. So when we get the, or I'll just put my example in there. When I have dumplings, when I have whatever type of food that is, whenever I have the Asian style of dish that is like heavy sodium, heavy soy sauce, heavy, whatever, I immediately feel like I need to have ice cream or dessert or something sweet to counter that. Is it savory? I have no idea. I, I don't know about any of these foods as to what they're called, but I feel like I need something to counteract what has just happened. So in the first 15 minutes of finishing my food, I go, fuck, I could really go for some ice cream. I could really go for chocolate. I could really go for this. I could really go for quite literally anything that is going to switch up the flavor palette that is sitting in my mouth hole. But, and this is where we get into the emotional side of it. If you have those conditionings where you get tired, you immediately search for food or you finish a particular dish and you immediately go looking for your dessert or whatever it is. How much better do you think your life would be if you took 15, maybe 20 minutes to just sit in that feeling? Because I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. No, but <laughs> I don't know about you, but if I have that feeling and I sit in it for about 20, 30 minutes, maybe it goes away. And that answers most of the questions that almost everybody asks me with, how do you deal with cravings? Well, I, I sit in the craving. I scull some water. I don't really scull water unless I am holy crap. I have massive cravings and then I will go scull some water and I'll be like, oh, now I've got water belly and I won't be able to eat whatever it is. Or I'll feel like I've done that or here are some tricks for you. So grab your fucking phone notes out. I'll give you a quick tick, but here are some tricks that you can do to essentially get away from that craving or switch that thought process behind. I've finished dinner. Where's my dessert? If you're that learned response person, one skull water. A lot of the time when people think they're hungry, I get them to ask themselves, are they bored or are they thirsty? And if the answer from that is no, I'm still hungry. It's like, okay, cool. Has it been at least 30 minutes since you've had your meal? No, let it sit and then come back to me. There's a difference between feeling full and feeling satisfied. So if you have finished your dinner, but you're not bursting at the seams, a lot of people go, oh, I'm still hungry. Like I'm still snacky. Like I'm still, I could eat something like, yeah, you probably had a fucking balanced meal for the first time in God knows how long and you're not bursting at the seams. So because you haven't completely filled yourself up, you go, where's that feeling of being full? You don't need to be full. You just need to be not hungry. You need to be satisfied. So if you've done that, and this could be lunch or breakfast or whatever, hopefully not breakfast, because then we've got some real shit to work on. Message me if that's you. But if it is after that, skull some water. It will typically change the flavor palette within your mouth rinse some things down and it will fill up your stomach a little bit more just to make you feel like, oh, I don't think I could eat that. 
which if you are trying to lose weight, fantastic. If not, then fucking go for it. Have the ice cream, do whatever the fuck you want. Two, brush your teeth immediately after dinner. You want to talk about changing flavor palette? How about fresh breath? And then the toothpastey sort of feel. If you brush your teeth immediately after dinner, it will almost wipe out, almost completely wipe out those cravings for whatever food it is. And then if you get picky or snacky or whatever it is, whatever term you use for around about 8 o'clock at night, 8.30 at night, have a water bottle nearby. Or have something, and this is why I recommend tracking calories and macros, make it work within your calories and macros so that you can have a fiber one bar with a little bit of ice cream melted on top of it or whatever it is. Fiber one bar, 90 calories, a scoop of ice cream, like an an actual scoop, not like a heaped, holy shit, that's a mammoth on top of that stick scoop, an actual scoop of ice cream. Let's just say blue ribbon vanilla ice cream because that's what I've got in my freezer. Usually about 60 calories little bit of chocolate topping on top, boom, chocolate topping is, or whatever topping it is, you can get zero sugar toppings from Woolworths. I get salted caramel from Woolies, chuck that on top of my ice cream. Holy crap. It's the best thing in the world. Heat it up. Amazing. About two calories. So I've just had a bowl of whatever, essentially something simulating a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? An apple pie, ice cream and apple pie. I've had that for 160 calories. So there's always ways that you can work around this or work things into your diet. If you hundred percent need them, it's a lot easier said than done of just don't do it. Like, yeah, we know not to do it, dickhead. That's why we're asking, how do we not do it? <laughs> and I ask myself that question all the time. I asked my, I asked my fucking therapist that on Friday. I said, when my clients come to me, I have all the confidence in the world. I know that I can fix their problem. I know that as soon as someone talks to me about their issues, more than likely I'm going to fix it. As soon as I come into contact with someone, I am on top of the fucking world. I get into a zone. I become confident. I know my shit. And that energy of just me being me comes out of fucking every single orifice that I have. That sounded terrible. (laughs) That sounded bad. But that's the amount of confidence that I have when I get in the zone and I know exactly what's going on because I'm helping other people do that. But, and then we talked about his theory of the more you know someone, the less likely you are to take advice from them. I know myself extremely well, more than likely not. If I talk to myself from an emotional standpoint, I'm not going to listen to myself. Because if I go, hey, Trav, you shouldn't be having that ice cream. I go, shut the fuck up. What do you know? And I'm going to have the ice cream. If I tell my girlfriend or fiance, really got to stop doing that. If I, t- <laughs> if I tell my fiance, hey, you probably shouldn't be having ice cream. She's probably going to get shitty at me and may or may not have the ice cream. If I tell a client further away from me again, so it's gone me, fiance, and now a client. Don't have the ice cream Monday through Friday. Okay. They are more than likely going to say, Trav said I couldn't have it, so I'm not having it. The further away you are from someone, 
the more likely you are to take their advice. Meaning, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but if my parents try to give me advice on running a health and fitness business, more than likely not going to take it. If I hire a stranger that has proven to be doing these things, I'm going to take his advice, even though I know fuck all about him, but he's coming across as a complete professional. So I'm not going to listen to myself, although, and this is why another big conversation I have with myself is removing the emotion from a decision. If you can sit in those emotions for 15, 20 minutes, you're more than likely going to calm yourself down in one way or another. And then you're going to reach a logical destination and you're going to be able to say, well, I don't need the ice cream. I don't need this. I don't need that. Whatever your comfort food is. But a lot of people don't get there. They immediately take actions on the emotional. And they don't dare sit in it for a fucking second to wait to get to the logical point in their lives where they can go, you know what? I've calmed down now. I'm not as craving. I'm not this. I'm not that. I feel like I'm going to be able to make a better decision now. Do I need the ice cream? Yes or no? First off, if you're asking yourself, do I need something? The answer is probably no. If you're 100% in, for example, a lady contacted me through Instagram and she said, I need your transformation program. I need to change. I need this and this and this. And like all the reasons, like why she needed to change. Hopped on the phone with her. I said, amazing, awesome. Like, let's go for it. And she goes, what does your program actually do? Like, what does it contain? And then I had to run her through the program as to what everything contained. But I fucking loved that mindset of, I need to change. This guy can get me there. I'm, go I'm going to do it. We'll figure the rest out later. I absolutely love that. If everybody else in the world was like that, I need to change. This person can do it for me. I don't fucking care what it is. I'm going to do it because I know that this is going to be the best thing that I'll ever do in my entire life. Jump on the phone with me or him or her or whatever. I'm going to do it. And then they go, yeah, sure. It's this. <coughs> Literally choked. They go, yeah, it's this much. Fantastic. I'll figure out a way to make that work. But when you know you want something, you just go get it. Probably not that motivating at the moment during lockdown, but if we can see the bigger picture, get to the purpose and remove the emotion from your instantaneous decision-making and get to a logical mind, you're more than likely going to make the better decision for yourself, short-term and long-term. But a lot of people don't like making short-term sacrifices for long-term gain, particularly because it feels like fucking Groundhog Day at the moment, but outside of lockdown, a lot of people don't even know what delayed gratification is. They go, oh yeah, it means like you put off gratif gratification. Yes, but how do you do it in practice? Have you done it before? And a lot of people usually haven't. So delayed gratification is one of the biggest things that I use for myself. And then I recommend it to a lot of clients. For my clients initially, I say, sit in it for 10, 15, 20 minutes, however long it is, do not take an immediate action, particularly when it comes to their nutrition or working out or anything like that. If a client makes an immediate, an immediate emotional decision, we are fucked. As a team, as soon as they sign up, we are ruined if either of us make an immediate emotional decision. But if they sit in it for 20 minutes relating to food specifically, most of the cravings and thoughts and triggers and things that they were dealing with will naturally sort themselves out when they just just sit in it or just go, 
no, I don't need it. I'm going to do this and this and this and this. Even though they desperately, desperately fucking want to eat what it was. If they just go, nah, I'm just going to leave it. I'll have it in about half an hour. I'll have that food, but I'm going to have it in 30 minutes. And then what happens when they wait 30 minutes and it gets to that time where they were like, oh yeah, I'll have that food. Eight times out of 10, they will go, nah, I'm not really feeling it right now. I'm actually pretty full. Oh, it's actually getting pretty close to bedtime. I don't need all that sugar. I don't need this. I don't need that. They will usually talk themselves out of it because now they're not as emotional as they were, as they was, wow, as they were 20 minutes ago. So when it comes to how do I get over this learned fucking response of I've had food, now I need dessert, sit in that emotional state, let your cravings go, let all of that shit go and talk yourself out of it from a logical standpoint and say, nah, I don't really need it. Or make it work within your calories and macros so that way you can still have it and not feel shit about it. Brush your teeth, skull heaps of water, do what it is to break the cycle. Because that's all we need to do. That's all a lot of my work is. Well, not all, it's like 50% actually. Breaking cycles. Because a lot of the people listening to this podcast would easily be able to say they have one sort of bad habit, learned response, cycle, whatever fucking word we're going to use for it. If we can break just that single cycle, that's it. That's game. We win. Break the cycle. It's a lot. It's easy to fall into, but it's now even easier to get away from because you go, oh, I've done it before. I can do it again. So when it gets to that 2, 3 p.m. brain fog type of time, for me, actually, you guys, actually, here you go. That is my, because I obviously can't show you the chips that are right next to me. These are my popped chips. About 2, 3 p.m. I start to go, oh, I'm getting a little bit hungry because I typically have lunch at about 1. And then we have dinner at about 6, 6.30. So there's a five and a half hour gap compared to when I have breakfast at 8, 8.30 and then lunch at around 12.31. Four hours compared to six hours maybe. It's a bit of a gap between meals. So I go breakfast, lunch, snack, dinner. And then if I have the calories for it, if I'm tracking... I will go, cool, I can have this for dessert at 200 calories. Fantastic. I've made it work. I've had one, two, three, four, essentially five meals during the day. Three main meals to like snack and dessert. And I'm still within my calories. Granted, I have a lot more calories than most people, most of my clients, but you can make that work as well. Or you just pick whenever you suck the most during the day. If you know that 3 p.m. is your like binge, then put something there to stop the binge. If you know that you, after dinner, have that binge then, schedule something for that so it's just moderation. Get a small bowl, measure your food, do something, break it up. We're looking to break the cycle. If it's a whole block of chocolate, snap half, throw it in the fridge, make a quick decision, don't look back, eat half of it. Then just leave it. Then you are not allowed to get a... <laughs> Contrary to what every other PT in the world would say, you're not allowed to get up off that couch once you get that chocolate. You're not allowed to go back for seconds. That's it. It's in your calories. That's what you've allowed. That's it. So one of the things, I suppose, one of the key points I wanted to get across is to just wait. Just delay gratification. Sit with your emotions. 
and just wait for that feeling to pass before you make a decision. Because almost every single client or person that messages me, they go, I can't get over this cycle. And it's the same cycle. They finish dinner and they're immediately in the fridge or pantry looking for something else. You can break that cycle very easily by allowing yourself to sit, allowing yourself to relax, allowing yourself to let the food settle. If you are looking for food within 20 minutes of finishing a meal, it's more than likely a learned response as opposed to, holy fuck, I'm still so hungry. Because I can have like two fiber one bars or an apple. I can have something. And in the 20 minutes after finishing that, I will not be hungry. About an hour later, I'll be hungry because it was fuck all. But the 20 minutes after my body goes into digestion, I'm not hungry. So if you're looking for food within 20 minutes of finishing a meal, it's most likely a learned response as opposed to like, I'm not completely full. I'm not bursting at the seams. I need more food as opposed to I'm satisfied. I'm going to let this sit. I'm going to let this settle. And then I will make a decision once I don't feel like I'm relying on cravings to make a decision for me. So hopefully that helped. If you've got questions on any of that, let me know as per usual, but I'm going to go have some pop chips and I'll see you all in the next one.